Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz Fiddler. Today, we're going to talk about harvesting cut flowers. And we're going to start off with a little science lesson. And then I promise we're going to cover so many things within this one little topic. So a plant reproduces by creating a flower and then pollinating. The flower fades and then the seeds begin to grow and then they spread out to produce a new plant. So it sounds cruel, but our job is to cut it before it has the chance to reproduce. A lot of flowers are cut in different ways and stages. And ultimately, it's a lot of trial and error, and it just it's a skill that comes with experience. So the things that you have to keep in mind are time of day. So most flowers in the morning, they're going to be the most turgid, turgid, what's that word? Absorbed with water. Abby, do you know? Turgid. Turgid. <laughs> turgid. But it, I, I don't know what the actual word, I know it's a word. It's tur- turgid. I think it's turgid. Is it like T-U-R-G-E-D? Yeah, G-I-D. Tur- turgid. Do some light Googling. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, so you're they're not dehydrated. They're going to have the most water in the morning. So they're going to have less wilt and they're going to look fresher. However, in the evening, and I did a little reading on this, the stems have been photosynthesizing all day and they contain more carbohydrates. So they actually have a longer vase life. So if you cut them in the morning, it reduces wilting. If you cut them in the evening, they have a longer vase life. What'd you find out on pronunciation on turgid? It's loading. (laughs) If anyone wants to sponsor a higher, faster internet out here in the country, that would be great. So either way, whether you cut in the morning or evening, all we know is that you shouldn't cut in the peak of the day. Ideally, in the perfect world, if it's 80 degrees or less. But there's a short window because even if you know you do it right away in the morning, you have to do it after the dew has dried because if you cut flowers with a ton of dew on them, they can get moldy, they can get disease, but you also want to cut it before cut them before it gets too hot. However, there are some July evenings where it's like the temperature does not start reducing until 8 p.m. There's really this small window to harvest them. There are a couple options. I have never actually used this, but there are some hydration solutions that you can use to make them, you know, absorb more water up if you pick them during the heat of the day. Again, I don't, I've never used them, but I know, you know, I would imagine places like California or in the South pretty much have no choice but to use them. Whereas in Minnesota, we get, you know, we get a couple hour window in the morning and a couple hour window in the evening, except for those hottest days of the summer. So it's really not that big of a problem. I personally like cutting in the evening because then they can sit all night in buckets. And then I make the bouquets first thing in the morning. And I, I'm an early riser. I get up at 5 a.m. And so I can start making bouquets right away in the morning. And it's like by the time I'm done and need more flowers, the dew has dried. And so that's why I like to harvest at night so that I can just let them sit all night and soak up that water. And again, in the summertime, every Wednesday, every Friday, we are making 50 bouquets here on the farm. So it's nice to pick those, you know, Tuesday night and then you know, make the bouquets right away Wednesday morning or at least pick enough for half of them and make half of the bouquets right away in the morning and then pick for a while because people aren't going to pick them up till later. Because my subscriptions, you can pick them up 
anywhere from nine in the morning till dark and they just come at their convenience and sign their name off the list. There's 50 people and I know who they all are and it's a small town, small area. So I know who they are and they're just coming and going and it's fine. I recognize every vehicle and we're good to go, but they don't all come at once. They're not all showing up at 9am. Some of them aren't coming till four in the afternoon. So I can pick flowers, can make the bouquets and then start picking at eight or nine o'clock and then make those bouquets early afternoon for the last like 20 that don't come till later. And it's just, I learn people's behaviors, people, you know, when they come and some people, they're like, hey, heads up. I know I'm a Wednesday, but I, you know, there's a lot, maybe there's 10 people that are like, I'm not going to come till Friday morning because I can't come at 9 a.m. or I can't come after work and I'll just come at 8 a.m. on Thursday knowing that it's later. Well, if that ends up happening, I'm just going to make 10 bouquets on Wednesday night and then they are fresh for them. But we get in a groove, we figure it out, but it's kind of one of those things, whatever your preference is, if you pick in the morning or evening. The next thing we're going to talk about is cleanliness of your buckets and your clippers. And I will be the first to admit any of my volunteers or people that have worked here, I'll be like, "Mm, that's BS. She doesn't sanitize her buckets and scissors. Well, yeah, no, but going forward, I'm going to be better about it. Okay. Twice a week. Okay. We are going to do that twice a week. I've already talked to Lindsay that works here and a couple of my main volunteers. And I'm like, all right, guys, Every Monday and Thursday, we are sanitizing. That's just the way it is. We're going to have to do it, make a point of doing it, not just when we think of it, because it really does make a difference. So bacteria can plug up the bottom of stems and then they can't, they don't soak up as much water. So it really can affect the vase life. And so there's a couple different ways to clean them. You can just do a few drops of liquid detergent and a few drops of bleach and actually like even certified organic farms, you can use some bleach for cleaning purposes. Otherwise people use hydrogen peroxide, but just keeping those clippers and those buckets just as sanitized and clean as possible is so important. I fill the buckets with a couple inches of warm soapy water, brush them out. I have a really big bristle, like long handled bristle brush. So, you know, brush it out that way. And then you know, just kind of pour that water into the next bucket and just kind of keep going down the line until the water comes out not soapy and not dirty. And like I said, a couple drops of bleach and good to go there. It's also really important. So not only a clean bucket, clean scissors, but also a sharp scissors. You can really waste a lot of time by not having a sharp, ready to go scissors. I also try to do my best to have buckets of the right sizes and it depends It depends what I have going on. If I'm just picking flowers for myself to make for bouquets, for subscriptions or whatever, you know, it doesn't really matter if they're the Menards buckets or the, you know, the bucket from the hardware store or, you know, a bucket that used to have paint in it and, you know, I've cleaned it out and it's, you know, a five gallon plastic bucket, you know, whatever, that's fine. But if I know that I'm going to be using it at my stem bars where people build their own bouquets, I have some really nice three-gallon black square or rectangle buckets. And that's what I try to just harvest them directly into because why sort them later? Why move them later? And so just trying to eliminate that step. You also can use like metal, you know, galvanized buckets, but most people will use a plastic liner for inside of those just to you know, reduce rust and be really careful not to, you know, rust those out. When it comes to picking flowers, like I said, it's a skill that comes with experience. It's a whole lot of trial and quite a bit of error. I try to think of flowers as a medium. Okay. So 
when you're painting, when you're decorating a cake. I have this, one of my best friends, Tammy, is this awesome cake decorator. And she was teaching me how to decorate cakes. And she's like, you have to think of the frosting as a medium. It's not food. It's a medium. Don't worry about wasting it. Don't worry about coloring it the wrong way. Like, don't worry about saving some. You just like, it's, it's used to decorate your cake. And that's kind of how you have to think about flowers. Do not try to focus on the value of every single stem or you're going to go crazy. Harvesting them, trying to, you know, count your chickens before they hatch. Like, oh, okay, well, if I'm selling these sunflowers at this many a bunch, like, nope, you knew how many you planted. Plan for, you know, 20% loss between germination, harvesting, whatever. Stems get bent in the buckets. Like you cannot treat them each like their own little delicate stem when you're harvesting them. Even when I buy them wholesale, I always buy 10% extra, which for the most part, the wholesaler that I buy from, you know, in the off season when I can't grow them, you know, Valentine's Day, whatever, I have very good luck with them. But obviously you can't, okay, I'm making 12 bouquets and they're each going to have two tulips. So I want exactly 24 tulips. Like that doesn't work. You need to round up. You need to, you know, more is better because you're going to have some that break off, especially snapdragons or some of those flowers like that. But for the most part, I would say 90% are great. But when you're out there harvesting and you're doing it just Just keep in mind that, yep, like save as many as you can, but try not to think about it as these are each a dollar a stem because otherwise it's, it's too much to try to focus on. So when you cut the flower, I want you to take your non-dominant hand and grab the base of the stem and you're going to cut it low for the most part. Almost all of the flowers you're going to cut low and you're going to use your dominant hand to cut it. Now you take the flower, you can flip it over upside down and then strip the foliage down from the lower end of the stem. And when I mean that, I mean all of the leaves. You want to take your snapdragon, for example, and all of the leaves that are going to be below the baseline. But if you use mason jars like me, that's that's the majority of the leaves of the stem. And then you remove all of the lower leaves and don't do that directly onto the ground or onto the grass because you're going to have this huge pile of decaying rotting leaves and it's going to harbor bacteria. There's going to be a bunch of insects. You'll probably get a mouse nest in there if your pile gets too big. Just put it into a bucket. I have designated compost buckets that that's all I do is collect leaves in them. I dump them on the compost pile. I never put water in them because remember we talked about bacteria and that's that's all they do is for those extra leaves. But like I said, depending on which way the leaves go, take your thumb and index finger down the stem and just strip the leaves into a bucket, not the grass. Because again, gross, bacteria, messy. And you want to do this in the field, not in your workspace, because if you make bouquets in your kitchen, you don't want all of those leaves there. Or even if you make them, you know, in a workspace, do it that way. So the reason I say to hold it specifically that way is because I can get at least, for the most part, depending on what kind of flower it is, but a bunch of 10 stems in my hand before I stop to go to the bucket. Zinnias are kind of hard because they they bunch together and then the leaves can damage each other, but like snapdragons and status and cosmos, I can get a good 10 flowers in my hand before I have to pause and go to the bucket. And this is nice because I am actually just starting to sell some bunches this summer to a wholesaler and they want them in 10 stem bunches. So if I can get them all bunched together in groups of 10 still in the field and put them, you know, know that, okay, there were exactly 10 in my hand, even if I don't get get them, you know, rubber banded or whatever they want, however they want them fastened 
together while I'm in the field, I can know that, hey, there's exactly 40 stems in that bucket. We're good to go. It's going to save time later. So I will shift the stems to like my pinky and ring finger, my ring finger and middle finger, and literally hold them together. I'll pick them. I'll, I'll hold them between my thumb and forefinger or my thumb and middle finger, strip the leaves, and then shift it to the spaces between my other two fingers. And then I can get 10 of them at a time in my hand before I have to stop and put them in a bucket. This is especially important when it's a way bigger flower field than mine. Again, I don't have this problem, but if fields are growing for a wholesaler, you know, they'll, they'll bunch them in 10 and then they'll literally have people designated to wrap them in 10 stem bunches right in the field, bring them to water so that they're in the shade and just preserve that. And so again, is it that die hard that I go that quickly? No, but if I can harvest faster and take a half an hour off of my morning, that's fantastic. Cause again, if I'm doing 50 bouquets a couple times a week for subscriptions, not including the stem bar, Maybe there's 12 stems of bouquet that ends up being 600 stems that I have to harvest. And that's, that's a lot that can take a lot of time. And so, you know, usually it's two snapdragons per bouquet. So that's a hundred snapdragons I need to pick. And I know I need that many. So I'll pick 110 or whatever it ends up being to have some extras. Yeah. And like I said, some, some flower farmers will have assistants or bucket runners to go back and forth. So it depends if you're making bouquets or selling bunches for wholesale. If you are making bouquets, it's not as necessary to know exactly how many you have. But like I said, if you're doing stem bunches, then yep, either if you can do bunches of 10 right in the field, or if you can say, nope, I know there's exactly increments of 10 in those buckets, that just makes it go way faster. If there's 40 in there and you count 10, count 10, count 10, you don't have to count the last 10 because you knew that there was already there. So then I try... I did this a few times last year, but it wasn't quite as necessary because I wasn't selling at the quantity I was. But this year, I'm going to do my best to try to label buckets with the quantity in them before I put them in the cooler. I don't want to just use a post-it because the humidity will make it not stick. Because again, inside our coolers, it's at least 80% humidity is the goal in a flower cooler. And I have these long metal sticks for labeling my stem bars. And I'll just put a piece of paper on there saying, you know, 56 or whatever it ends up being. Try to be in increments of 10 ideally, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. So try to label the quantity. Sometimes I'll change out the water, but sometimes that's not necessary. You know, it just depends. So like sunflowers and zinnias are a pretty dirty flower. They can make the water a little bit cloudy, a little bit murky. And it just kind of depends like if it rained recently, if the stems are slightly dirty, if that water is getting getting dirty, if the flowers are dirty, if it's been really dusty even, then that water might be a little bit dirty. And so then I change it out once I get back before I put it in the cooler. And so I have a walk-in cooler that I've talked about before. It's a walk-in cooler from the butcher shop that used to run here at the farm from the like 1960s. I have no idea what brand it is, anything like that but it used to be used as a meat cooler and it consistently, the temperature in there is 38 degrees, always 38 degrees. Ideally for flowers, it should be 36 or 35 with at least 80% humidity. However, and, and I know it is at least 80% humidity in there, so that's fine too. So it works great for what I need. Um, I cannot imagine buying a brand new walk-in cooler for a flower farm unless you're really, really industrial and, or, you know, selling wholesale and absolutely need it. But like, for example, my wholesaler that I'm going to be selling 10 stem bunches of Lysianthus to this summer, um, 
they will actually pick up every night in the middle of the night. So that's very ideal. So I don't, I don't need to store them for three, four days, but try to keep your eye out for, you know, if there's any florist going out of business or, you know, try to buy a used one or try to buy from a restaurant. However, if you are going to be selling commercially and really doing this on a large scale, I would highly recommend, you know, buying a specific floral one because it's going to be the exact same temperature, exact same humidity that you're going to need it at. Also for those 10 stem bunches, what I do is I just bought this a couple weeks ago, but if you go to my episode notes on my website, sunnymarymeadow.com slash podcast, there'll be episode notes on here and I can link the exact scissors that I use and the exact stem cutter that I use. But it's basically like the old school paper cutters, like my school growing up would have these stacks of cardboard and then they would make the, the paper like eight by 11 or whatever it ends up being. And so it's a, it's a big paper cutter, like knife looking thing. And that's, that's what it, you do this for stems. And so you get all the flowers, you know, on the left-hand side lined up. So they're all the same length. And then I have it screwed onto a wooden cutting board. And so I can see exactly like, okay, there's 16 inches or whatever it needs to be for the Lysianthus. I have all the flower stem heads lined up on the left. And then I know it's exactly 16 inches. So then I just whack it one big swipe with the cutter and then it just rather than cutting it by hand with the scissors. So I'm really excited about making big bouquet bunches that way and being able to cut them off. And like I've talked about, most of the bouquets that I make, I just make in my hand anyway. And so then I can just make them in my hand and then just take that and cut them off. Um, Lindsay and I have already predicted how long it's going to take one of us to lose a finger. We we're guessing maybe two weeks. We'll see. No. Safety. Safety first. We're going to be careful. I won't make her finish her shift if she does that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> jokes. Jokes. Of course, I'd let her go to the urgent care and get her fingers home back on. Anyway. I feel um, like we need to like clarify things. OSHA is a concern, I'm guessing. We're joking. <laughs> right. Take a joke. Band-aids will be available. Yes. You're a nurse. I can do stitches. So anyway, yeah, so that's like our big cutter. And then another thing that I want to talk about is I know there are a lot of flower farms that flower farmers that have made their own walk-in cooler. And that's definitely what the route I would have gone had I not had one available to be literally sitting in my butcher shop. So there's something in the brand is called Coolbot, C-O-O-L-B-O-T. And it literally enables a window air conditioner to cool down to 35 degrees. So you can take like an insulated box or a corner of an existing building and insulate it really well and turn that into a flower cooler. I know one flower farmer that they literally just built a little room within their garage of their house and then her garage has turned into like her floral studio or I think she makes her bouquets in her kitchen, I think is what she does. I think my fiance would divorce me before we're married if I made 50 bouquets a day in my kitchen, which is why we're remodeling the butcher shop. Anyway, um, no, I, I don't want them in here either. I don't want to look at them all the time. I don't want to have that mess to clean up. And I just, for me, overlapping the workspace of my house is is not, not a long-term plan. It's one thing to do it during the winter for Valentine's Day or something like that when it's cold out and it's like, okay, whatever, it's fun. I miss flowers. But if my flowers overtook my house during the regular busy season for that 18 weeks of the year, it just would not go well. So now I'm going to talk about just a few individual flowers and, you know, their specifics. And again, this is not a comprehensive list by any means, but at least, you know, just covering a little, a couple different things. Like I said, it's a lot of trial and error, but 
practicing just so you know. So zinnias are a flower that they have to be fully opened, but if they start pollinating and you can tell, like you can tell they start creating seeds, it's too far gone. The vases are not going to last very long, but you wiggle them back and forth. It's called the wiggle test. And if their stem is pretty floppy, it's, it's going to wilt right away in the vase. And so you want them to be more stiff and fully open with zinnias. With lilies, when the first two buds are swollen and colored, but not open, that's when you want to harvest them. Peonies, for example, you want to cut them at the marshmallow stage. Okay. So they're still in their bud, but they're just barely a soft marshmallow. They haven't opened yet. And I'm going to do a whole episode on peonies, but if you do that, you can actually store them in the cooler for, they say a couple months. I've done a month before and it, it works. Then you cut off a little bit, you put them in water and they open right up. Lysianthus, they're a stem that has like eight buds on it. The very first one opens on its own. So you let that one open. You can either cut it off or just let it be open. And then you wait until the next three-ish have opened and then you cut the stem. So the rest of them aren't going to open, but at least you'll have three. And then you're just going to take that old one and cut it off and remove it. Some people will go through, like I said, remove them in the field and cut them just so that they can know to wait till the three. But to me, that seems like a gigantic waste of time unless I can frolic in my fields with a summer shandy at night and cut off that first lysianthus. But to me, it's like, nope, just let it open. And then as I'm harvesting or arranging or whatever, cut it off later. Some of the spike flowers like delphinium, larkspur, snapdragons, gladiolus, they actually open from the bottom to the top. So it's this whole, you know, long spike of flowers along the stem and you harvest when the bottom third of the lower flowers are open. It will continue to open up in the vase. The very tips of them aren't going to open, but yeah, they just, they continue opening as they're in the vase. So you want at least a third of them to be open. Some flowers like sunflowers. Um, every time I say sunflowers or sunflowers, I have to enunciate it very well because it sounds like sunflowers when I talk fast. Sunflowers and rudbeckias. So those you harvest when the petals, cosmos is another example, you harvest when they are barely opening and just barely lifting off the center, but they're not fully open yet. Otherwise that's going to be too late. So again, there's so many of these flowers that you just have to learn trial and error. I could sit here and I mean, I can make a whole list out of them. Status, you wait until they're fully open. Dahlias, they're not going to open anymore when they're in the vase. Basil, you have to harvest it into hot water and you got to wait till they're woody. And I mean, there's just so many to talk about, but for the most part, you know, clean water, clean buckets, remove the leaves in the field. You don't want a bunch of leaves underneath the water line and get them in water as soon as you can, but you can't just like run to the bucket every single time or that's going to take too long too. So it's just, it's just a process figuring what works for you on your farm. Abby, any questions? First question was favorite brand of scissors, but you mentioned that will be in the blog post. Yeah, I can't, I can't think what it's called. Um, it's these little, they're blue. <laughs> um, let me see. As long as we're talking, keep asking the next question and I'm going to look them up. Okay. Next question was, what was the hardest flower for you to learn how to harvest? What one gave you the most trouble? Um, I would say, honestly, I, w I wouldn't say any of them gave me trouble other than just having to memorize it. Like I would, I would look it up on my phone, like, oh yeah, these are this or these are that. But th I think that's the reason why I don't recommend, you know, growing 20 things your first season. I'm like, start with five or six. And then the next year add 
five. And then the next year, add five. Last year, I added 20 things. And yep, I had Gomfrina that was wilting. I had Orlia with side stems because some of them, some of them, the side stems are great and some of them, the side stems wilt and you have to just pick those off. And it's, it's all just trial and error. So saying that, you know, there's one particular hard one. No, not necessarily, but there've been a lot of difficult ones. And those difficulties have come when I've tried to add too many new ones at once. My garden shears, I just looked it up. So the brand is called Grow Near, G-R-O-W-N-E-E-R. But I will add those to my to my list. Or um, Vivo Sun, V-I-V-O-S-U-N. But I'll put them on my list. Okay. But and yeah, they're the ones that I buy. I mean, I'll buy another 20 of them for people to cut. Um, they're not great for like sunflowers or more woody plants. Those I want more of a Fiskars is the brand that I use for those for the most part and more of a pruning shears for stuff that's more woody. But if it's just like regular garden, garden scissors that, that my customers use in the U-picks and stuff, that's, that's my go-to. Okay. And the last thing I did find a definition for turgid. Oh, yes. Turgid is how you say it. Yes. Okay. Turgid. T-U-R-G-I-D. It refers to cells or tissues that are swollen from water uptake. Yeah. And literally, I mean, obviously that's a term we use in medical. Also, if someone, you know, a really old person, we call it tenting where they're so dehydrated that like if you were to pinch with your thumb and forefinger, their skin and it just like doesn't go back to in, in place like on their neck or on their <laughs> yeah that's a real thing anyway sounds wonderful um, yeah yeah so I was I was drawing a blank on it but yeah same thing just cells being hydrated okay that's mm-hmm. all I got all right there we are on harvesting again if you have any questions email us podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com we really do like to know when you're listening so send me a dm on instagram take a screenshot of your episode tag me i i do want to know who's listening you know rather than just my mom and you know my neighbor so. take a picture of something that looks turgid oh, to you yeah. and tag us oh, boy. <laughs> tag us tag us in your turgid photo anyway okay all right thanks for listening thanks for listening to the sunny mary meadow podcast i'm your host liz if you like what you're hearing please subscribe and rate us you can find us on instagram pinterest and facebook at sunny mary meadow subscribe to our email newsletter at sunnymarymeadow.com and if you have questions or comments or anything to say we would love to hear from you you can email us at podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com flowers flowers we love flowers sunny mary meadow they smell so good sunnymarymeadow.com